to Jesus, shall we? Just pray with me. Just bring your word before you this morning, Lord. Will you, Lord, will you plant it in our hearts? Will you, Lord, will you give us the word, Lord, that, Lord, just breaks, breaks the yoke from people's lives? Your word, Lord, that you are pleased to confirm with signs and wonders. We just present it before you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as always, I just want to thank you for your patience as I just bring this up and getting away from paper notes. It just doesn't look good when you turn up here with about five sheets of A5, A4 paper. Everybody, whoa, let me get out of the room. Okay, well, you can't tell how many papers, pages. All right, so it's been a great series looking at the fruit of the the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. And over these last two weeks, we've looked at the fruit of kindness and what was last week? Goodness. goodness and goodness. Two characteristics that the Holy Spirit is, along with all that other fruit, He is developing in our lives so that our lives reflect the beauty of the author of that amazing fruit. We were reminded over these last two weeks that kindness involves a tender-hearted care in acts that may not always be deserved, as in the love of Jesus towards us. And that goodness, whilst involving such kindness, also involves doing what is right before our Heavenly Father. Doing and standing for what is right before Him. And that, at times, is going to involve correction in all of our lives. And it will also involve, at times, opposition when it is misunderstood. Especially in a society when the culture is contradictory to the Word of God. We recalled very importantly as we were coming to the end of the word last week, we recalled that in a society that often regards bad as good and good is bad, then God has placed in each one of us a weapon to overcome the evil that is in the world. And that is by each and every one of us being light in the darkness being salt in that that is corrupt. And, and instead, instead of railing and, and, and grumbling about the evil uh, the, and the bad that is in the world, to do good as, a, as a, a very, uh, the, the very countermeasure within society. And importantly, we concluded that in these circumstances, we must always act with sensitivity, with this very fruit that we're going to look at this morning, with gentleness as the servants of Jesus Christ. And 2 Timothy, and chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, says this, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, 
but be gentle to all. Be gentle to all. Be gentle. Yeah. Able to teach. Patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. I love, I love actually how the message uh, paraphrase uh, this very verse says this from the message. God's servants must not be argumentative but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool. Yeah. Working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. Yeah. And then if we could turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 1. Paul says this. Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and, tell me, gentleness. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who, am, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent, am bold towards you. So, just those, and this whole raft of scriptures that we could talk about that just exhorts us as his servants, as his children, to be gentle one towards another. Even as he has been gentle with us. Hasn't he been gentle with us? Yeah. Even when we felt, as we heard last week, even when we felt sometimes the real stinging of conviction in our lives. He didn't bring it along. He didn't bring that, that conviction along within our lives to, to, to lay us low but actually to be able to lift us up. To show us, to show us there is a better way. The Greek word for gentleness is actually translated meekness. Meaning, and I love some of these beautiful, beautiful definitions of meekness or gentleness. But before I come to them, I'm going to invite our drummer, Dave. Um, I was going to say I'm going to invite him onto the platform. Well, he will be coming onto the platform, but he's going to take his seat as drummer. You see, you see one of the definitions of greatness is this. To submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. I say that again, to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. Now look, I know, I know, because Dave's a big chap, yeah. He could hit those drums so hard, he has the strength to hit those drums so hard that actually the stick would go through the hide, yeah. He's got the strength to do it. But actually, he can control that strength like this. 
See? See, control strength. Yeah, he's got, he's got the ability to go right through those skins. But you see what he's doing? And this is, thank you, David. Yeah, this is. Yeah, give him a clap. Come on. I just knew he had to do it. Right. Okay. Thank you, David. Yeah. True gentleness is power under control. Power under control. Or power under truly divine control. God's control. Gentleness. Power under divine control. Or in a definition that I've come up with uh, from actually the story of Jesus and the centurion, authority under authority. That's real, real strength and gentleness. Someone else said, it is strength with a tender touch. Yeah. You know, can I just say, I'm just moving aside to say this. I believe that Jesus is going to touch people this morning. Hallelujah. Such a tender touch. Going to minister into people's lives this morning. I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever considered the strength of a bull elephant. Yeah? A bull elephant. Did you, anybody, anybody want to hazard at a guess of how many, just thinking about the, the trunk of an elephant, how many individual muscles are there in the trunk of a bull elephant? Anybody? Anybody a guess? Not a clue. 40,000 individual muscles. In the, just the trunk of a bull elephant. That elephant, that bull elephant can break trees in half. Can pull the branches down and rip them from the trees. But you know what else it can do with that trunk? It can pick a blade of grass up. Yeah. What is it? It's power. Under control. Power under control. Reminds me of the psalmist when he speaks about the voice of the Lord. The psalmist talk, talking about the voice of, of God Almighty. And it says something like this. The voice of the Lord breaks in pieces. Shatters the cedars of Lebanon. These, these enormous great trees, the voice of the Lord, the psalmist says, breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. But I want to also show you this. The Holy Spirit planted one day in the very womb of Mary, the very seed of Jesus Christ. On the one hand, on the one hand, 
You've got the voice of the Lord that can just break in pieces. And then on the other side, right at the other extreme of the same God that we serve, he can, he can there plant the seed of Jesus Christ in the most tender, tender and precious young woman and womb of that teenage girl. That is that is gentleness. That is gentleness. Meekness has often been regarded as actually weakness. But it's far from the truth. Church, meekness. Meekness is not weakness. And I want to I take just a look for a short time with you. I want to take a look at two people who are meek. Two people who are meek. And see something of the strength and the power and the authority in these two men. One who was regarded as actually the meekest above all the men who were on the face of the earth. Wow, that's something. It the meekest of all men who were on the face of the earth. Now that's some testimony, isn't it? That's some testimony when the Holy Spirit, as as uh, this individual pen these words, now Moses, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men who were on the face of the earth, Moses. And then after Moses, and after we've looked at what we can learn from, the, from this man, this gentle, meek man, we're going to look at not the man who was the meekest on the earth at that time, but the man, Christ Jesus, who is forever the meekest and most beautiful, gentle, uh, gentle person who has ever lived and who will ever live. We're going to look, as we heard earlier on, we're going to look at he who is the very center of our lives and the church. We're going to look at Jesus. But let's look at Moses. I don't know if you know the story. It's worthwhile, perhaps when you get home, just looking at the story of Numbers 12. Because this is generally what was happening. In a nutshell, this is what was happening. Um, Naomi, sorry, Naomi. Where have I got Naomi from? Miriam. Miriam and uh, Aaron, they were gossiping about Moses. They were sort of, they were, they were just having an all gossip about the fact that Moses had married uh, a woman, an Ethiopian, and they didn't think that was right. And so they were gossiping. Always dangerous to gossip. Because the Bible tells us in this story, uh, in Numbers, it says that they were gossiping, but God heard them. Ah. Just We all need to remember that sometimes, don't we? But we all need to remember it all the time. Whatever we're saying, you know, the ear of the Almighty is listening. And, uh, 
and Moses. Moses was a, a man of authority. We're talking about a man that had led probably upwards of two million people out of bondage. We're talking about a man that had stood before pharaohs with authority. We're talking about a man um, that had gone time and time again uh, to advocate on the, on the behalf of the children of God. So we're not talking about a weak man in the man Moses, but we are talking about a meek man. So Moses, he, he probably would know about this. He does nothing. He does nothing. He does nothing about it. And then suddenly, suddenly, God begins to speak into the situation. And he says, I want to meet with uh, three of you. I want to meet with you, Miriam. I want to meet with you, Aaron. I want to meet with you, Moses. So, so come. Come, because I just want to have a word with you. Wow, they thought. Miriam thought, wow. This sounds good. You know, yeah, we can, we can, hear, we can hear just as much. Who, who do these leaders think they are? Who does Moses think he is? We can hear as well as Moses. Aaron was feeling the same. The three of them stood before the Lord. And God began to speak. Moses, Moses, just get this. He had said nothing. And God God spoke into the situation. He confirmed the leadership and the authority of Moses. And Miriam was struck with leprosy. Wow. And but for the prayer, but for the prayer of Moses, she would have remained a leper, but Moses prayed for her. I think there's a few things we can learn from this meek man this morning meekness does not defend itself meekness does not have to defend itself can rely on him in fact somebody once referred to meekness as self-forgetfulness self-forgetfulness meekness doesn't push themselves and say you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to defend myself. I'm not going to have this sort of behavior. Meekness is quite content to leave it in the hand of God. Meekness is sufficiently wise and strong to trust God in times of opposition and difficulty. Moses had enough authority to call these people out. But he trusted God with it. That's true meekness. Meekness, I love this. When God judged Miriam, when God judged Miriam, Moses didn't, Moses didn't get up and say, well, You've got what you deserve. Moses didn't, didn't come along and say, well, it serves you right. You know what Moses did? He prayed for her. Yeah, she had to, she had to remain. 
She had to remain outside the camp for a week. And the, and the children of Israel had to stay where they were for at least a week, which is another sermon altogether. But, but, meekness does not rejoice in judgment. The exercise of goodness when it involves correction must come from a meek spirit. It must always be a demonstration, first of all, of our love for him and our love for the individual and our love for the body of Christ. If we are ever in a place of authority, if we are ever in a place where we have to advise and even correct, it should never, it should never be because there is a personal irritation from the individual concerned. Ephesians 4, Paul says this, having outlined gifts of... If you read Ephesians 4, we're not going to bring the scripture up, but if you read Ephesians 4, Paul is speaking about the different ministry gifts within the church. And then at the end, he says this, speaking the truth in love. In Galatians 6, the very book that we're reading and, and looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 6, Paul reminds the church that restoration of any who have missed their way should be gently dealt with. Dealt with from a meek spirit. Remembering, of course, that none of us are perfect. So that's the man Moses and some of the lessons that we can perhaps learn from this great leader. But to the greatest leader, to the man who is the very pinnacle and epitome of meekness, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at our Savior. What a picture of gentleness and meekness. John chapter 13 speaks a great deal about the meekness of Jesus. The disciples, all 12 of the disciples with Jesus were in the upper room. They were there and they'd eaten together and, and there in the upper room he once more demonstrates for every one of us the very character of self-forgetness, self-forgetfulness and strength. He knew, verse 3 says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, knew who he was. He now knew what he was going to go through. He now knew what God was going to do, do through him. He now knew so clearly who he was and why he had come. He knew, he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. Jesus knew he was going to rip the inside out of hell. Saying, Amen. Amen. Jesus knew, he knew that there he would lead captivity captive. 
He knew that he was going to take the keys of death and of hell. Knowing all these things. Knowing that he had come from God and was going to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. And he took a towel. He took a towel. So deliberate. So absolute deliberate. As deliberate as just previous to that, we heard last week of how he had taken the whip to drive out those who had abused the temple. So now, with the same deliberation, Jesus takes the towel, wraps himself around. Why? Why? So that he can minister. So that he can serve. Because within him, within him was a gentle and meek spirit. Verse 16, it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Meekness, meekness as the heart of a servant. Meekness as the heart of a servant. Can I say, can I say, if we are too big to serve, we are too small to lead. If we're too big, if we're too big to serve, we are too small to lead. Jesus took the place of the lowest servant. When he lifted that towel, when he girt himself with it, he took the place of the lowest servant in the household. That was the task given to each of those servants. I want to see also a gentle and meek spirit is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Just come with me into that upper room and see Jesus as he, he kneels. Jesus, we're talking about Someone who knows who he is and where he has come from. He knows what he is going to accomplish. The greatest victory of all time and for all time. Knowing these things, he kneels at the feet of Peter. No respecter of persons. He knows, Jesus knows that very soon, this very man who has professed so much, Peter, is going to deny time and time and time again that he even knew Jesus. Peter, who will, who will in that judgment all look across and see the very eyes of Jesus staring back at him and knowing Knowing that he has denied him. 
Jesus still kneels at the very feet of Peter. Washes them. Washes them. The one, the one to whom the scripture tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He now, this king of glory, is kneeling before the man that will deny him. He kneels before Thomas. He kneels before the man that will not believe. He kneels before the man who will doubt that he was raised from the dead. But he kneels and washes the feet of Thomas. He kneels before the feet of John. John, who just professed so much. John, who hung on every word that Jesus spoke. Who, who it says that it was the disciple who Jesus loved. That that was the sort of passion that John had for Jesus as well. Right? Jesus loved him. <laughs> Jesus loved him because he knew, he knew what, you know, what sort of a man John was. But, but now, now he knows that this man, along with all the other, all the other of, the, of the 12, they're going to forsake him. They're going to run for their lives. But he still kneels at every one of their feet. And get this. The man who would go out and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. The man who will sell him for the price of a slave. The man that Jesus entrusted, if you like, as the treasurer of the group. He'll sell him. Jesus kneels and washes the feet of Judas Iscariot. Isn't that a meek spirit? Puts us all to shame, doesn't it? Verse 15 says this. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you do as I've done you've seen you've seen what I've done he's saying we have seen this morning what he did and what is his word to us this morning do as I have done I've set you an example it says in verse 17 if you know these things blessed are you if you do them do them just stay with me. And stay with me. With, and let's stay with Jesus. And let's take another look at the quality of strength under control in meekness and gentleness. Jesus with his disciples had finished praying in the garden. We're just skipping some time 
He's been in the garden and he's finished praying. Sadly, his disciples fell asleep. But, but from the garden, suddenly there's, there's a, whole, a whole lot of noise and, uh, and commotion. And the, the soldiers of the temple are coming uh, with, with others of the leaders and the priests. And they, they come up and they take hold of Jesus. What happens? Well, Peter, yeah, Peter, he's got a sword. And he, he strikes, he strikes the servant of the high priest and actually takes his ear off. Oh. And what does Jesus, what does this meek and gentle spirit do? It reaches out. Yeah, reaches out. And he heals the man. He heals the men that, will, that will, will, will bind him. He heals the men that will be part of those who mock him. He heals the, the, the man who will be part of the, of the crowd that are, that are shouting crucify him. Away with him. We prefer a murderer. He heals him. Matthew 26 tells us a little bit about that incident. Matthew 26 and verse 53. This is power under control. Jesus says, do you, do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? More than 12 legions of angels. Now, I've, just, I've looked this up of this last week or so. I've looked up around legions of angels. And, and a legion, a legion uh, can actually be, it, it's more than a thousand. We often think of a legion as a thousand, but it's actually more than a thousand. Several, several thousands. I want to put it in perspective for you to see the meekness and this power under control. When I remind you that during the life of Ezekiah, during the life of Ezekiah, Ezekiah one angel, one, right? Jesus is talking more than 12 legions of angels. One angel in the time of Ezekiah went out and slew 185 thousand soldiers one angel what he says to me is this 12 legions of angels were at the call of Jesus Christ but he died he chose he chose he chose meekness he chose power under control what happened in the garden was true as they bound him humiliated him they stretched his hands out and he allowed them to nail him to that cross he allowed those those who he could have called thousands of angels to his rescue he allowed them that is true meekness and gentleness it is authority under authority. Colossians 3, 
I'm just going to read these scriptures to you. And then, as I, as, as I read them, I'm going to ask the, uh, if Nate, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Nathan come forward. I'm going to ask the, um, the senior leadership, Doughton and Marina, to come forward. We're going to take communion together in this place. Arrange that Chris is going to take communion down to those who are in Sunday school. Let's allow this powerful and yet gentle Christ to minister into our lives this morning. To he who was ready to bow the knee to all of these people. You know, whatever, whatever mistakes you have made, whatever inconsistencies there may seem in your life, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is ready to minister to you just as much as he ministered to Peter just as much as he ministered to Thomas. You say, I've struggled with doubt. Well, allow, allow Jesus by the Holy Spirit to minister into your life this morning. Allow him to do this. This is what Colossians chapter 3 says. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, whatsoever you do word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him this series of fruit of the spirit it hasn't hasn't just been about an academic exercise it's about changing us right from the inside so that we make a difference in our world so that we make a difference in our neighborhood so that we make a difference in our home in our workplace doing good doing good with gentleness with wisdom with meekness each one considering one another Doughton, Marina We're going to take communion. And I would want to invite you to come forward this morning and take communion with us. 
we're not going to be in any rush. I don't want us to rush this because I want this to be as leadership serving you. As leadership ministering into your life by the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, yeah, first and foremost, we are coming. We are coming to remember, to remember, to recall with gratitude all that Jesus Christ has paid for on the cross. We're remembering that. But we're remembering this morning that he came to minister, not to be ministered to. Allow us, will you allow us this morning to minister to you? Leadership. You, people, I'd, I'd like you just, you don't need to take, you don't need to take uh, the juice and the wafer back to your seat to have. Yeah, if, if you prefer that, that that's fine. I'm not going to make any... But I want you to take it with us as your servants for Jesus Christ. Take it with us this morning and let us encourage you. Let us minister into your life. Allow, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through these godly men and women. And where there is healing, let Jesus heal. Where there are needs, let Jesus meet those needs. Yeah? You do that. Don't need to rush. Just come forward as you feel you want to share in this most holy communion this morning. I just pray, Lord.